To be a wordsmith is defined as a person who writes, an author, a journalist, a person who commits their thoughts to paper. But I believe it is so much more. The ability to craft a story, to change lives, transport the ordinary life to an extraordinary place, to put words on paper and awaken the imagination in ways that the reader never dreamed possible. Yes, to have the ability to see what isn't there and make you see it too. To awaken the senses in new and amazing ways like feeling a cool breeze on a hot summer day on your cheek. To smell wildflowers as they bloom. To taste a delicacy on foreign soil. To feel like you've never felt before. Touching places long forgotten. Connecting your soul in new ways. That's what writers do. It's my pleasure to host Carolina Writers Speak, a new podcast, a chance to hear actual writers' voices, hear what inspires them, experience their trials and their struggles, and realize that we all have a story and it's worth telling. This is Rose Cushing, and I'm the host of Carolina Writers Speak, a podcast for authors out of North and South Carolina region. And I'm excited today that my guest is Lori Kloster from Hubert, North Carolina. And Lori has a wonderful new book that's just out called Top in the Willow. So I know you're going to enjoy learning about this book and the opportunity to learn where you can buy it. Lori, tell us a little bit about you and how you became an author. Well, thank you, and first of all, thank you for having me on here, Rose. I really appreciate it. Um, I uh, was born in New York City, right outside it. I was until a year ago, spent my entire life in the Northeast, um, went to school and all that, and I uh, had an early opportunity to work in film, educational film, but then after that, I homeschooled a long time and started writing, started taking fiction writing classes. And so this novel has been a very long time in the work to the point that I even did a workshop a few years ago with a summer group about how not to write a novel because I ping pong back and forth between the novel and the screenplay. So right now, Topping the World is both. Okay. <laughs> and the novel's out, and I'm going to be working more on spinning the screenplay to do that whole Very nice. So... Top in the Willow, tell us a little bit about the story that, that your book is based on or, or what you conjured up. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, there, there were two things. Uh, one is that when I was very young, growing up, up outside the city, my, my family were not churchgoers. And I found out in the eighth grade that they weren't even really believers. And when, they, when I was about four and five and six, they told me basically that everything ends with death. And for some reason, that really traumatized me. I would literally lie in bed every single night and have to face that fact. And that is the opening scene of the book, which I didn't plan that way, but that's just kind of the way it happened. Right. And then later on, um, and so the story is, I will say, it's a coming-of-age story, but it's also a coming-to-space story about a girl kind of finding her place in the world. And the way that happens is... Uh, there's also another thing from real life that my sister was um, interesting in Vermont on New Year's Eve and waiting on this family would come for a Vermont Christmas and they were in a terrible car accident later. And just the fact of a waitress in a car accident sent 
Tommy is way into the story, too. Um, and so basically this girl does something out of rebellion. She's, I mean, it starts out when she's five, but the, next, the very next chapter, she's like 10 years later, and she's a very angry, alienated teen. And on a trip up to Vermont, she does something that's an act of rebellion, and her mother ends up in the hospital for the whole summer, and she ends up armed out to a horse farm, which run by Christians. And so this, that's the setup of the book. And basically she sort of rebels all summer and, um, and eventually comes to faith. So, yeah, that's the story. That is such a wonderful and beautiful story, without a doubt. And um, how, how sorry that you, I am that your family was in a car accident, but it's such a great way to turn a tragedy into something really great. Yeah, I just need to correct. It wasn't my family. It was that a relative of my waitress on a family. Okay. Was in it. I misunderstood. Thank I, you. Yeah, ironically, it hit me hard because I found out later that even though this family lived 1,500 miles away, two of my cousins knew them. Wow. <laughs> so, one of the families, you know, so it just sort of hit me. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny, funny how um, events and things just catch that writer's eye and stick with you for use later, you know, in your series of stories. Now, tell me yeah. a little bit about making your book into a screenplay. Well, um, I basically have a mentor, um, a longtime friend, who is extremely brilliant, and he's a screenwriter. And um, his first critique of my novel was not very good. I think so about three months later, he said, I mean, I actually had it as a, an adult novel, focused on the father, and about three months later, he said, well, you know, this is really more about the girl, not about the father. And I thought, you're right, but the only way I have it in me to try again is do it as a screenplay, which in my foolhardiness I imagine might be easier. <laughs> and it isn't. <laughs> but anyway, um, he recommended a couple of books and started to mentor me in that, but then we both worked on another project, and I ended up working closely enough that I saw him in action, and I thought, wow, this is how it's done. So I finished it, and it did really well in a Christian contest. It was a finalist for a major Christian contest. And then I thought, well, I better get the novels on. So then I went back to working on the novel. And right now, three producers have it, but I have finally self-published. It just seems to be the right time and the right way to go on it. Very nice. Now, in your writing process, how long did it take you to write this, this novel? The reason I ask you that is because, you know, people seem to think sometimes that they should be able to sit down and just write their book and that it happens in a short period of time, and it really doesn't. And, you know, so I always like to ask people that question so that listeners understand that, you know, this is a long process. Yes, it can be, and it also depends on the level you're writing at. You know, I know people... Um, you know, we can pump out two and three novels a year. Yeah. But it's more, it's more formulaic, more of a genre novel, you know. Um, 
you know, like an Amish or a romance or a thriller or whatever, um, you, you can do those more easily. But a character-based novel, I think, takes time to speak. And it is a joke that I could have raised a baby in my time to write this book. And, you know, it really does feel like, um, like birthing a child. I gave a copy recently to each of my three adult kids, and I said, this is your fourth sibling. <laughs> So you traditionally published with a, a publisher? No. Um, when my agent was making the rounds, there was too much. Um, it's, it's quite realistic, and parts of it are very raw. I actually have a, it's sort of like the old movies that have very mature themes, but it's off screen mostly. Uh-huh. And um, But the Christian publishers mostly felt it was too dark for them. One of them said, we already did a bunch of dark, and we don't need another dark, you know, just in terms of grittiness. Uh, and then the secular publishers, he wouldn't even submit to because it had too much faith in it. Um, and one of those, one Christian publisher did accept it, and then they ended up dumping their fiction lines before we signed a contract. So I just took that as sort of a, a closed door from God. You know, it just wasn't meant to be at the time. So I did self-publish, to answer your question. Um, it is self-published. We formed a little imprint. Uh, my husband and I, he's a retired pastor, and we are... Um, feeling that to just use the book as a way of sharing our stories with young people because it is a life of faith that I think can give hope, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, self-publishing, I think, is such a smart idea because, you know, while, while we all would love to have a big check and just sit back and collect royalties, that's not really how it works in the real world. So, <laughs> so there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with self-publishing, and um, I think that's a really good avenue for 99% of all the people who want to do a book. Yes, and since your audience is, is writers, I'm sure that they've already discovered unpleasantly that even when you're with a publisher, a lot of the burden of, of um, you know, publicity and um, having a platform, it's not, it's not the game it used to be. It, it's pretty much... A lot of do-it-yourself, unless you're with one of the very big publishers. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. and, and the book, the, the work starts when the book is done. <laughs> oh, please don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's when it really starts. So, yeah. what do you feel like, you know, I, I know you've had obstacles and things, but in the writing process, was there one thing that comes to mind that was your biggest obstacle? Hmm. I would say brain fog, <laughs> but, um, you know, seriously, I do deal with some brain fog, but, um, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's like my biggest obstacle. It almost felt like a spiritual barrier sometimes, you know, I just kept pushing through. I felt like I was sliding through wet concrete, and then every once in a while there'd be like a little glimmer of an idea where I could go with it. Because when I first had those ideas about, you know, that opening scene and the accident, I had no idea what sort of book I would be writing. I didn't know it would be young adult. That's another thing. It's, it is young adult just by virtue of the fact that the protagonist is 15 years old. I had no choice about that. But the reviews, if you look at them on Amazon, um, which has been very positive, I'm very fortunate, um, people are saying this book is really for all ages. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they, they really are. And also that it's a good book to hand to a young person who might be struggling, but they don't want to go to a church, they don't want to read a Bible. 
you know, but um, they might need some hope, you know, just the beginnings of hope. Absolutely. I think it's a very powerful story about hope and, and forgiveness, you know, and I, I admire you and applaud you for having the courage to produce such a story, especially for young adults, because that's some a message that they all need we all need. But I think as you're in youth today, that's why a lot of them are struggling because they don't have that foundation of hope and and where to yeah. go when you feel like there's nowhere to go. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. And one other thing I would mention is, I mentioned that it's set on a horse farm. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a story, it's like a parallel story of a young troubled horse that the girl, Brittany, identifies with on the horse farm. And the horse is out of control, and that also really happens. And you say, what was an obstacle? Owning this horse for two years. Yeah, one of the most it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my entire life. Oh, no. It was definitely a God story. I have the entire story summarized on my website, um, which is lauriecloster.com, in the about section. But if you're going to read the novel, don't read that first because that's a that would be a spoiler alert, and the whole story didn't fit into the novel. But um, as a parallel for the girl. Um, yeah, it's a pretty important part of the book. Absolutely. Well, horses, you know, horses work magic to let us see our real selves, so I can see why that would play a, a strong part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's good. So, yeah. in your writing process and your character development, would you say that you're a panster, or would you say you're a plotter? I would say by nature, I'm much much more of a panther. Um, I read a wonderful book, a wonderful article one time about a guy whose stories, he's been to all these writing workshops and stuff, and his short stories were so polished. You know, he'd worked on them until they were diamonds, and then he was told they had no life in them. <laughs> so he, he discovered that detail was the entrance of a story, and he started just writing for the heck of it, you know, kind of letting go. Yeah. And I was saying, I'm much more like that. But I will also say that um, the structure of screenwriting was an immense help because left to yourself, um, you know, you can get really off track in terms of what you, what's your novel about. Uh-huh. And so it really helped me to, um, I, the book Save the Cat has you sort of plot everything on 40 index cards. And there is one now for novel writing that probably everybody knows about, but um, Save the Cat for writing a novel. And so I felt that extremely helpful, too. You know, so I would say kind of the way sometimes you write in free flow and then you have to put on your editor's hat, I, I have to switch back and forth between them, you know, the structure and the let it all hang out and see where it goes. I, I feel like um, I'm in the middle, too, because when I wrote my book, I definitely was a pastor because I didn't know anything. But the more I learned, the more I realized probably need to be a little bit more of a plotter, Rose. Have a little bit of that structure and stuff in there. So, Now, yeah. I noticed on your website that you did a really great job on your one sheet. Oh, and So talk a minute about one sheets because that's something none of I've not asked anybody about, and that's a really important thing for all of us to know about and, and have. Okay, well... Um I had a copy of it. Okay, here it is. Um, actually, I had a professional design that for me. Um, this wonderful, uh, I'll mention his name, Nick Wellinger. Um, he was recommended by my formatter, 
and he was an award-winning cover artist. So he's the one that did that cover also. And um, he just, you know, said, do you want a one-sheet? And I said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, except that this, I will say, this is also the one-sheet for my screenplay. So, um, you know, it, it can work both ways. Very nice. Now, tell us, yeah. tell our listeners about a one-sheet and what purpose it serves so that they can understand why they need it. Okay, it's it's like a calling card. Um, it's got a little, you know, it's got a cover image. It's got a summary of the story. It's got two, mine has two quotes on it, a little bio of me, and then contact information. And it's basically your introductory publicity piece, you know, what you're doing if you, um, well, I wouldn't call it a query. It's not really the same as a query thing, because for a query, you would be making a lot more claims. Yeah. But it is your yeah, I think that that's a good description because it's yeah. a business card can't possibly hold what you need it to hold. So it's it's literally one sheet of paper that summarizes mm-hmm. what people need to know about your book and you and how to reach you and your ISBN number. So really good example of that on Lori's website. Okay, I just realized the ISBN is not on the uh, it's not on my one sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good job. So, what advice would you give to writers coming into the the field about how to get their book done and how to get it out there in the world? Um, I guess two things. One would be persevere, and the second one would be take breaks because it's definitely a marathon. Um. I mean, that's sort of it. Somebody just, a friend just sent me a card that says, success takes, this is right in front of me, I got it two days ago, perseverance, ambition, passion, courage, heart, humor, and talent. And um, and I, I truly don't feel like I'm ambitious because I just tend to put one foot in front of the other, but basically don't quit, uh, which is a good thing to tell myself today as I'm getting tired about the state. <laughs> but it takes perseverance. Well, I, I think you've done a really great job with it. Now, when did your book launch? It launched um, October 18th. It was the first, um, the first rollout, and then it came out on Kindle just a few days later. And I'm having some sort of technical issue with Ingram. It is supposed to be available in bookstores, and as soon as I get that solved, um, it will be available at the usual, you know, nice big cut discount that bookstores like. So hopefully that will come. And I've also entered it in several contests, and I paid for a review. Reviews are important. Like, I would encourage, well, all writers know this, those Amazon reviews really help, even if you do it under, you know, a funny nickname or just two stars and no words or whatever. But that helps. But I did pay for a review that was, like, professional from, it's called Reader's Favorite. And they gave it a five-star review and a decal. I wanted to buy decals to put on the cover I could. I haven't decided about that. Right, um, right. Well, that's a good tip. I didn't know you could do that. So, you know, I'm learning a lot of things today. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, so, people are saying, well, how did you self-publish? And it's like, sort of, I was in my pants. It took four months, if that's what you're saying. From the time I actually decided to self-publish, four months until publication date. Yeah. Right. 
For some reason, you know, it, it feels like this big intimidating monster. And I, I have to laugh at myself when I say that because I published a 10-state regional magazine for like 10 years and I did all the work and uploaded it and sent it to the printer. Basically the same thing with publishing your book. But it felt like the elephant in the room. And I would think about it and I'd say, well, tomorrow. Well, tomorrow. <laughs> you know? So, but it's not really that scary or hard, you know, just take a class on how to do it if you're nervous about it, and then just do it. Yeah, I really find James Friedman, if, if, if anybody gets to the same, James Friedman and Hallie Bridgman and then Kindlepreneur, all of those are good resources for me. Yes. And um, Friedman has a long checklist, and you look at it and you go, oh my goodness, because there are so many little details, you know. You need, you need, like, where do you put your categories in Amazon? You can buy a program just to figure that out. You know? Right. It's, it's so many little branches out, and they all take time. Right. Like I say, the the work starts after the book is written. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's true. <laughs> so you're working on your screenplay now, and do you have any other books in the works? Well, I actually set this one up to be either a trilogy or have a sequel, or it could serve as season one of a TV series. And so part of the reason I haven't, I mean, I've got ideas for a sequel that I've sort of dabbled with, and it's definitely poised for a return. Um, but the, excuse me, the TV series idea is kind of interesting, too, so I tend to hold back in terms of what we're to produce or be most interested in. Because it really is set up that it could go in three different directions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Any other um, tips that you have for folks out there that are just getting ready to launch their book? I just thought I wish you the best. Um, yeah, I, I, I really wish everybody the best. But it, was, it, it is a really nice feeling to have it kind of in your hands and know that you did it. So... So don't give up, I guess. It's, it's Absolutely. Yeah. And how can yeah. people find you? Well, I'm on, uh, my website is lauricloster.com, and then the book is on Amazon, and as I said, it's huge. Uh, soon will be on Ingram as well. So, uh, and the email is laurie at lauricloster.com. Very, very good. Well, I certainly recommend your book to folks out there. You know, if it, Christmas is coming. This is a great Christmas present for someone in your family or a youth, and it's certainly good to squirrel away and read yourself. Oh, thank you. So thanks for being on our show today, Lori. I really appreciate it. And as always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, and a Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you so much, Rose. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Everybody has a story. Just let your mind drift away and find yours. I know it's out there. What are you waiting for?